Hey, Husky fans, welcome back to Fourth and Inches of Husky Podcast. My name is Trevor Mueller, and with me is Jake Grant and Coach V. Uh, and in honor of Bobby Knight, whoever gets the closest score prediction will be able to assault me physically next time they see me. Uh, so how are we doing? We got USC this week. How are we feeling? Nervous. I am so nervous, man. I uh, I know I said this about Oregon. I, this is one of the games going into the season that I thought that UW might might drop. Um, so despite how USC has been performing, we have also been performing and so um, it's just one of those games that I, I think you go down to the Coliseum and, and you could struggle in very easily. Um, nervous because um, we've seen for two weeks now where we've just been banged up or sick or whatever the excuse is, and we haven't played a really complete football game. And honestly, if we want to go back to the Oregon game, the second half of the Oregon game was pretty wobbly too. There's yeah. reason for that or whatever. They're a good team. But we haven't put it all together. I feel like there's been a lot of distraction with, hey, McMillan's back, now he's not back. And, well, he's getting all the reps in practice, and now we've got to have somebody else find that. And offensive line shuffling and quarterbacks throwing up in trash cans. And um, USC has not looked good in any, aside from their preseason stuff, before conference, has not looked good, like, defensively at all. And... Caleb Williams has started to show a couple things. Now, having said that, if we don't get our if we don't get our defense right this week, we are in trouble because mm-hmm. they have so many skill weapons, and we'll get into that in a minute. But um, if we couldn't contain the Stanford quarterback, yeah, Caleb Williams. Good luck, man. So it's going to be a huge challenge, and we're on the road, so that makes me nervous. Before we get to the USC preview, we do have the first. Uh, rollout of the college football playoff rankings um obviously the top four ohio state georgia michigan florida state and then washington oregon is five and six the other pac-12 schools that are in there uh oregon state at 16 utah at 18 ucla 19 and sc 20 i feel like washington has one of the best wins of the season uh they really and the committee talked about it how they really got penalized for uh not winning with a ton of just two clunker wins in a row after the Oregon game I think kicked them out of the top four I I get I, I guess it's fine my thought is is Washington will still control its own destiny getting into the top four uh, as long as they win out they're gonna have no problem with that but those two ugly law ugly wins which there's teams above them that have ugly wins too, but ours are so fresh in the committee's mind that they were penalized more than I think maybe a Florida state was when they, you know, narrowly beat some of those teams like Boston college. What are your thoughts, Jake? Yeah, I think the committee's full of, full of crap. Honestly, <laughs> they, they, they talk about how head to head wins are so, the most important thing. Washington has the most, the best looking win. Oregon is the highest ranked one loss team in the nation. Washington has that win. Um, the the one thing I will say is that if you go by the eye test, Ohio State's offense, and I've heard this from Ohio, I am surrounded by Ohio State fans. They think that their quarterback looks like dog shit. They don't think that he's good. They think that their offense is stumbling. Ohio State has a great defense, and they have two phenomenal wins. So I'll give Ohio State a pass being a number one. 
What you cannot tell me if you're the committee is that Michigan and Georgia belong anywhere above Washington right now. And if you're looking in a bubble in the 2023 season and you're not taking account Georgia's 2022 season and Michigan's 2022 season, there's no way that they should be in front of us. Michigan's best win is Nebraska. Give me a break. There, I'd say Michigan State is a top three win for Michigan right now. That's how pathetic that that schedule is. Uh, you look at Georgia. Yeah, they're the defending national champions, and I think that gets you in the top four, not ahead of Washington. Uh, their best win, who's their best win? Auburn. Auburn's probably their best win, maybe followed up by Florida. Um, I don't think that either one of those teams has looked so extraordinary with the schedules that they have, that they've played, that they belong anywhere in front of Washington. And it really pricked me off. When I watched the show, I watched it live, fully thinking that we should absolutely be three or four at the worst. And and when I saw Oregon pop up at six, in my head, there's no way that they're just going to have Washington right above them. So it when when Washington popped up at five, it it felt like blatant disrespect to me. Still the Pac-12 issue, even when they're saying that the Pac-12 is one of the best conferences. It's just I, I think it's I think you're right. It's really short-sighted to look at the body of work and focus on the last two weeks like it's some sort of power ranking. I, I think you're I think you're kind of on to something with that. Uh, I'll be curious to see if, you know, go Washington goes and beats USC and, you know, Georgia goes and isn't convincing in a win or or somebody ahead of them isn't convincing in a win. Is, is Washington going to leapfrog them? Because that's kind of the precedent I feel like they've set. Coach, do you have any insight on, like, any take on that? Um, They were looking for a reason yeah. to put the brand names ahead and into the Final Four because it drives ratings. You start talking about Washington too early, then people are going to get tired of hearing about it and say, hey, where's where's Alabama? Can we sneak Alabama in here? What about Texas? Um, it's it's a ratings-generating television program that is not a serious take. And when you, when you didn't penalize for the last month and a half, two months, you didn't penalize Florida State for their crappy law, uh, wins, you didn't penalize Michigan for not playing anybody. You didn't penalize Georgia for looking like ordinary yeah. in a lot of their games. And then you got Oregon. They're just waiting to throw Oregon over us. Like, they like I know you beat them, but um, this is a brand name for us. Like, ESPN's all over Oregon every single year. Yeah. How, about the fact, how about the fact that you don't penalize Michigan for being a bunch of cheaters? How about that? You put Michigan in front of Washington, even though there's a gigantic scandal going on with Michigan's M plastered all over it. And, and you're just going to look past it like that never even happened and put them in the top three. There's, there's absolutely no reason for that to, for, for a committee of college football playoff people to look right past the biggest scandal in college football for you know, I don't know, a handful of years at least. It's almost starting to feel like uh, the 2017 Astros issue in some instances where it, it was so coordinated. Just like the Astros trash can stuff was coordinated, there was 
some infrastructure behind it that led to it. Um, I don't know if it has the same impact because again, you still have to stop them, but in baseball, you still have to hit the pitch. Right. So, but I think that it's going to be covered eventually very similarly in the way that it works. Instead of being focused on the players, though, it's going to be focused on the staff that will most likely not be wearing blue next year. And and that's that's the worst part about that whole thing. I know I'm I'm going way off topic here, but <laughs> but the the thing that really the, you know what really grinds really? my gears, America, <laughs> is the fact that Michigan's they're going to wait. And they're going to give Michigan a bull ban for a year after Harbaugh's already left the program. And then it only affects Michigan. And Harbaugh goes back to the NFL with a fat old contract and never even looks back at it. It reminds me of a coach from USC that did something pretty similar. Uh, I'll tell you what, though. His was not nearly as egregious as... What's being alleged here in Michigan? Oh, There's in a player or two or seventeen, but uh, yeah, I mean, we the weird part is is that everybody's so up in arms when this stuff happens. Is Michigan going to be the first team that gets punished? Astros can get punished. The Patriots they kind of got punished a little bit, yeah. But um, yeah, this is one of those deals where Michigan is rolling right now. And if the NCAA has any teeth whatsoever, this could be a major setback if they do the right thing. But again, they won't. They won't. It, crap. They're not going to do anything. It's a money-driven business. That's the problem with college football now is that and, – and I, I hate being a curmudgeon, but <laughs> college football has turned into such a business – that they're going to overlook this because for the sake of the brand with the Jordan logo on it and the big M, the big yellow M maze, um, they're not going to, they're, that's a huge financial hit. If they, if they give a bull band to Michigan, this isn't SMU. This is a major, also, also there's no shortage of teams that can fill that void. And you're going to a 12 team playoff next year. And I feel like if this is the if there's ever an opportunity to say, dude, we need to make an example out of somebody so this stops happening. Michigan's the poster child. Yeah. For yeah. I totally agree. So if you know, like I said, I think I believe everybody deserves to be investigated and everything needs to be vetted to make sure there's a lot of stuff that's going on, on the internet right now that looks kind of fake issue. You don't know if it's real or not, with him being on the central Michigan sidelines and whatnot and uh, whatever but if this was orchestrated if he had people working for him if he was going from stadium to stadium and doing this nonsense then it kind of coincided with their rise yeah so don't you have to kind of knock him down a peg i think you do the only hope i see is if the conference is going to step in because i again the ncaa is going to either move really slowly on it or they're not going to move at all Mm -hmm. um so, I don't know. It's just, it's yucky. And they're in the top four. Ohio State, number one. One of those guys is going to get bumped out. And, you know, I, I do see a situation where if Ohio State were to win the matchup and Michigan were to be on the outside looking in on the conference championship, uh, I wonder if that will be enough reason to keep them out of the playoff. They lose it. They got to be out. You'd you'd think so. 
I don't unless, know. Unless you have a bunch of one-loss teams. Well, I tell you what, if they're a one-loss team, I'll tell you what, the the one-loss teams right now are the darlings of the networks. You have Oregon, Texas, Alabama, Oklahoma, Ole Miss. I mean, <clears throat> LSU. That's a I lot would, of teams in there with one loss that are big brands. And I would typically, I would typically agree with that, Trev. That that if let's say Michigan loses that that game between Ohio State, that they wouldn't make the college football playoff it, because. 10 years ago when the college football playoff started, the committee said conference championships is a staple in making the final four. Oh, and yeah. then all of a sudden uh, Alabama and Georgia had to play each other. And then the tune changed. And then all of a sudden it was, well, now let's, we're just putting the four best teams in no matter what. So I, I coach is right. If, if Washington were to drop, a game let's say to usc or to oregon state and then go win the the conference championship game against oregon or whoever i absolutely believe that michigan would get in in front of us oh i disagree i, I think this I, is the I year i wholeheartedly agree that i think that they would man i don't think so i think this is the year that there's too many good teams outside of there's no clear-cut number one right now and i think there's there's probably eight eight or nine teams that have a legitimate shot at getting there. And I guess one of the places I look at that is TCU last year loses in theirs uh, in their conference championship and is still able to go. Um, now they were undefeated going in and that was their only loss. And, uh, and there wasn't conference. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I think Washington, if we're in the Pac-12 championship and we win it, that carries more weight than a one-loss Michigan team. I would agree. I think, especially if it's Oregon. Yeah. If if the game against it, uh, if it, if it's a really really close game, and Ohio State loses by one in Michigan, you don't think they put Ohio State in in front of Washington? Not well. I think if Ohio lose- State loses by one. I think the loser of that game not going to a conference championship will will knock them out. After all of Ohio State's big wins, Notre Dame and Penn State and big wins. I mean, Notre Dame with ten men on the field, they barely escaped. Right. They haven't looked impressive all year. I mean, yeah, but that's kind of a darling as well. I mean, that's with with Ohio State being one right now. now, The fact that they're number one right now is a severe slap in the face to everybody. I would agree. And I think it's. They, I think that they did that to get people to talk about it, which we have fallen victim to. Yes. Because uh, <laughs> you brought it up. Oh, I know. I am. You, I am. You hopeful. knew. You you knew my trigger points, and yet here we are. Jake pissed <laughs> off. Hey, Jake. What do you think about East Coast bias? <laughs> that was the first thing that came out of my mouth when I saw us at five. At LSU. Going back to LSU, they have two losses because they lost to Florida State and Ole Miss. Oh, that's right. I mean, they're pretty cooked. Yeah. yeah, I mean, are we all just big Missouri fans this week? Yeah, big Purdue guys too. Oh. <laughs> okay, let's not get out of hand. <laughs> let's get crazy okay? here, <laughs> big Cal guys. Drew, Drew Brees isn't there slinging the rock. <laughs> Drew Brees far, isn't okay? gonna walk through that door. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got to tell you though, if if everything goes, if everything were to stay the same, which of course it won't because it's college football, 
But if everything were to stay the same, I'd feel very confident in Washington ending up in the top four, uh, irregardless of the Michigan-Ohio State, because I think at the end of the day, Washington's resume is uh, far superior to Florida State's especially. Yeah, who's Florida State got left to play? Clemson? No. No, they beat Clemson. Clemson's 500. Let's let's pump the brakes on Clemson being a quality win. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I'd be talking smack about uh, Dabo right now. He went on somebody's podcast and lit them up. Yeah, was, I I didn't hear it, but I I heard people talking about it. Yeah, uh, you know what? Louisville will probably be their next best win if they yeah. beat him in the conference championship, or North Carolina <laughs> with two losses and lost to a team with two yeah. wins now. Yeah, with uh, first round Drake May. I think Louisville's probably on pace to to get there, but. I, I, <laughs> they're the only other ACC team <laughs> ranked. <laughs> so, congratulations. And they're just about to add Cal and Stanford, so that's going to be good for the conference. They got Pitt and Miami and North Alabama. That can't be right. No, that is right. And Florida left. Yeah. yeah. They're past. Yeah. Yeah, good thing they beat up on the Golden Eagles to stay undefeated. All right. Well, uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this next week as well as the playoff rankings continue to go. But what is really important for Washington is not only to get right, but it's you're into the gauntlet that we've been talking about since the year started. These four games are going to determine what happens to the Washington season. There were some good things that happened to get Stanford. We started to see the offense get on track. I don't think you're going to see. Roma Dunze fumble uh, in that big time situation again. Uh, I think the offensive line is starting to solidify itself with, yeah, Julius Buelo back. Uh, I think that's really going to solidify against uh, a USC defense that just really doesn't defend the run well. They get after the quarterback a little bit, uh, but, you know, we have, we have an offensive line specifically of two book on tackles that are, NFL caliber players. So things have to get right for Washington to win this game, but I said they were going to win this at the beginning of the season. I still feel like it's a very real possibility that they do because I think that they're going to hopefully turn the page on some of the things that have been biting them over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Jake, what do you got on this offense? Yeah, this offense, man. <laughs> It's it's so good. Everybody, I know everybody's really down on SE right now, and I don't think, and, and and a lot of people are down on Caleb Williams too. I, Caleb Williams was so good last year. His numbers were so good that he set himself up for failure this year, because if anything short of what he did last year is a detriment to what's going on with this team. They dropped two games. I don't. One of them was for sure Caleb Williams' fault. He had a really bad game against Notre Dame, and he'll tell you that. Um, and he'll tell you that a lot of people would like to be in his 12, 12 size shoes. <laughs> I was gonna make that joke. <laughs> I'm sorry, I stuck it. I took it. It's so bad. It's that's so cringy. Um, Caleb, I wear a size 14, come fit in my shoes, bud. Uh, his numbers are almost identicals identical to Michael Penix's numbers. He's got 2,600 passing yards. Michael's got 29. He's got, what he's got? 25 touchdowns to Penix's 24. 
Um, it, it, his, but he has the ability to run the ball too. He's almost got 200 yards rushing. He has, he has really good numbers this year. And he's still a guy that if you don't keep contain, he can torch you with his feet or when he breaks contain, he still keeps his head up, his vision up and finds the receivers that are breaking wide open because the corners are looking in the backfield. Um, the only difference I would say in this team, in, in USC's offense versus our offense, I, the reason that I'm comparing them is because these two offenses are very, very similar. Um, the rushing game is a little bit better than ours. Marvin Lloyd has almost 800 yards. He's averaging 7.7 yards a touch versus Dylan Johnson has 430 and 4.9 yards a touch. So so Washington's going to have to stop the run against these guys, whether it's Caleb or it's Marvin or it's, or it's Jones. It's, they have a, a very good rushing attack to combine with Caleb Williams' throwing capabilities. I mean, if we want to even talk about receiving, their receiving numbers are crazy similar to ours. 213 receptions versus 214 receptions for Washington. Uh, it, 26 touchdowns for USC, 25 for Washington. So every time that you guys have all watched Washington as fans, we've watched Washington's offense, and we think about all the great numbers that we've put up this year, USC has mirrored that. And their offense is extremely potent, and and it makes me nervous. That's what makes me nervous about this game, especially the fact that our defense hasn't been right coming off of a, a pretty poor tackling performance against Stanford. So Washington knows it. The coaching staff knows it. The fans know it, and the players know it. To win this game, you must make the tackles that are right in front of you. And if you don't, you're in a world of hurt. Yeah, this game could definitely become a track meet in a sense. The one thing that I will always take Washington over USC this year is Washington has those mirror numbers with one less game played right now. And that's really, really important to understand that Washington also threw out an, a complete dud on offense against Arizona State. So while USC is super explosive. They don't have the receivers they had last year, which I think helps. Um, and Washington has not shown it two weeks ago. They sort of got back to it with a kind of a clunky, but, you know, they scored 42 points. So, I mean, there's there's room to grow against a bad defense. And for, you know, for everything's good. Washington's about to play a pretty poor defense. They're ninth uh, in total yards given up. That's to be expected with how explosive their offense is. I don't expect them to lead, be in the top half of defenses with how potent their offense is. But they're seventh against the pass. Washington's a little bit below that. They give up 248 yards a game opposed to our 264. But they're dead last against the run. They give up 172 yards on the ground. Um, Washington's 40 yards a game better. And then they're ninth giving up 32 points, uh, uh, 32 and a half points as opposed to Washington's 20 and a half. So there's a huge gap there. It's not usually a great thing if your top three or top four tacklers are safeties. Uh, and that's what USC is at right now. 
they do get after the quarterback, Solomon Bird, Jamil Muhammad, and Romello Height. They have uh, 15 sacks between the three of them, which is really, really impressive. I think Washington's offensive line, their pass protection, and the way that Washington can get the ball out fast can help with that. They have six interceptions. Jacoby Cunnington, former Husky, has one of them. But the front seven, I think, is the place where Washington will be able to exploit, whether that's, you know, maybe giving Will Nixon more than one carry because uh, he's gotten that one carry and he's averaging uh, somewhere like 10 yards between his last two games uh, on the outside. And then going up the gut, of course, with those power backs like uh, Dylan Johnson, I think could be really, really beneficial for Washington. Last week, Jay Knott had 21 carries for 153 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, and then the quarterback, Mendoza, 64% passing, 292, two touchdowns and an interception. Cal scored 49 points. Cal scored like, what was it, 15 points against our number one defense a few weeks, you know, uh, six games ago or something now. So, yeah. I mean, this defense is not very good. But the thing that scares me, Coach, is there's still a ton of talent on the defensive side of the ball. There's a lot of four- and five-star players on that side. Jacoby Covington, Jacoby Covington would be a contributor if he was at Washington. Can you help me understand why this defense isn't as good as they should be? Alex Grinch. Um <laughs> Dude's underperformed since Washington since he left Washington State. Um, so it's it's a really weird situation where one of the guys I keep targeting going back to last year is their linebacker, really super talented junior kid, 6'6", 215, Eric Gentry. He's the guy that when I watch them get gashed in the run game, he's the one that doesn't hold up. He's very athletic. He can fly around. He almost moves around like a safety. But um, their linebackers aren't good as far as – being able to run fit and being able to stay disciplined and, and, and get to the gaps the way they need to. If we're patient. And I think we need to be just a little bit of prudence here. I think we can kind of get them into when we are in third down, get it to third and th four less giving us some options and we don't need to hold the ball. Biggest mistake we can make is just getting greedy, taking all these vertical shots and then we're in third and long and then let those guys tee off with their speed, that's when we're going to run into trouble. The, the guy, obviously, Caleb Williams is a Heisman Trophy candidate, and if we can contain him inside the pocket, I love our chances. But Marshawn Lloyd, man, Marshawn Lloyd looks like an NFL running back right now. I cannot believe they pulled him in the portal from South Carolina. Um, he's the scariest dude on that offense for me, aside from Caleb Williams. And I know that Branch is a really cool weapon in the return game. I think get him on some screens and stuff. And obviously you have to account for him. But if you don't stop Lloyd, you're not going to stop the offense. And they do enough really cool stuff in Lincoln's system. I'm going to tell you what. Um, they run this uh, triple option RPO play, and Oregon's stolen it. They, Oregon runs it a lot. And you got two backs on the other side of the quarterback. And one guy's feeding through, and the line's coming down. They're all pushing to one side. So you can still hand it there. And then Caleb just gets looks and he's either got the guy in the flat or he's running. It's an option, right? Um, it's a play that I stole. We, we ran it tonight and scored a touchdown. <laughs> um, it's so hard to defend. And if we are not 
aligned properly. And I'm worried about our new safeties that we've been running through there lately. I know we've had some injuries, but if we don't align properly to that, it's going to be a long night. Yeah. And I don't know if, I, I don't know if you mentioned this, Trev, but uh, USC's defense took a big hit too when uh, Zion Branch, one of their best tacklers, is out for the rest of the season with a knee. So he he's one of their their surest tacklers on that defense. And for him to be out, um, I don't want to say it's a good thing because I don't promote injuries to players, but it it leaves an opening in that in that backfield that. Um, Washington can exploit if 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 they play their game their cards right, especially with their running game. And I feel like we've been rushing. I I believe we've been too impatient the last several weeks with the offense, and people are like, "What's going on? Why we why why aren't we scoring as much?" And it's like, if you just take what is given and be patient, you can march down the field whether it takes three plays or whether it takes ten plays to score. And you heard Coach Grubb talk about it a little bit in the last couple of weeks and you've heard Michael talk about it plays are there like, Oh shoot, we, we didn't get that play. Well, well, somebody was running underneath on the crosser wide open. If we just take what USC gives us, they will give us a lot. They are not a sound football team defensively. And, and, and we finished the game with how many points last week, Trev? 42, 42, 42 points last week. There was a red 21. zone. There was a red red zone interception that was for sure a yep. touchdown. Wide open receiver streaking down the center. Um, just an unlucky tip. Uh, Roma Dunes a fumble in the red zone and then on her way to score deep in the red zone. And then uh, Roma Dunes a errant oh. bad back shoulder throw, which is the only time this year that you're going to see one of Michael Penix's back shoulder throws get intercepted. He was he was interfered he on, on that absolutely one. held on yes. absolutely so and we called the guy on the play before for pass interference but let that one go yeah. yeah so we we left 21 on the table um if we get those 21 points we're feeling a lot different about that Stanford game I agree um so so with that being said uh the one thing that does scare me about USC's defense even with Zion branch out is you mentioned the interceptions. They also have seven fumble recoveries on top of the six interceptions. They have a knack for turning the ball over. And to put that into perspective, Washington's defense has one fumble forced and zero fumble recoveries. So that's a lot for that defense for USC. They're looking to strip the ball away and that can benefit an offense like Washington's where if these guys are looking to strip the ball and they're looking to punch the ball, that means that they're not form tackling. They're not wrapping up. If you, if you roll with that strip and they don't get that fumble, you're absolutely able to run away from these guys. That's a really good point. Um, Coach, along with that, do you think that some of the, issues on the uh, on the offensive side of the ball like what you're saying they're not taking what they're what they're giving do you think that's a little bit of like hubris since it were there were two teams that Washington was heavily favored in and Washington's offense figure I mean the program figured they would win the game so they kind of went for more than necessarily they would have when they were playing like in Oregon or even Arizona where they were taking what was given well, I still think the Arizona State game boiled down to 
being banged up coming off that win and then the offensive line shuffling just completely threw them off and they weren't expecting the the heavy a gap blitz stuff because nobody was blitzing us there people were afraid to blitz us now they're like oh let's see if this works stanford did a lot last 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 week to try to throw us off but if i'm being honest man i felt like this for a while and i've mentioned it to some people and i don't remember if i mentioned on here last time I feel like the coaching staff and the entire team feels the pressure to get Michael, the the, the Heisman. And I feel like they've been calling games a certain way. And I think it was fine. I think we were in check until the second half of the U of A game. You remember they got into territory four times and they ran the ball in four times. So we were kind of having a great night. And then Michael didn't have any touchdowns. And they he started holding the ball a little bit longer and trying to take some shots and it wasn't working out. Got frustrated. We had the Oregon game. Yeah, he had that Heisman moment, but he still had, you know, when he after he got hit in the ribs, you know, we had a couple really ugly drives there in the third quarter. Yeah. Then the Arizona State game comes, and oh, we're gonna get those stats, Pat. No, the team was not physically ready to compete that night, and they were very fortunate that me stepped in front of a pass and and took it the other way. So right now, we're supposedly healthier up front. Hopefully, nobody has the flu. And it's a big national televised game against two guys, one who's already won the Heisman, the defending winner, and another guy who's one of the odds-on favorites. This is your freaking moment, man. But you got to do the right things. The win is the most important thing here yeah. tonight, like this weekend. So The win keeps you in the Heisman, at least front, front and center in the Heisman conversation. Right. I think a loss doesn't necessarily – ruin his chances of getting one but it would dampen them the the fact of the matter is the way that they play he's still going to rack up he's going to have over 300 yards passing but the the touchdowns may not be there if they're relying on their run game obviously you talk to uh to a man in there including michael Penix. the goal is to win every single game and get yourself in a position to get a chance at the college football playoff. But you're right. It does seem like, and maybe it was because they were playing those, you know, lower, lower tier teams in the conference. But uh, I don't know. I kind I expect Washington to put themselves in the best uh, situation to win the game, whether that's highlighting everything that Michael Penix does on a regular basis or not. I just want to see the mistakes go away, like the dumb mistakes, you know, there's the, all right, well, like the interception he had against Oregon, you know, we got a guy fall down, miscommunication, whatever, he throws a pick to the other team. Okay, that's fine. The Arizona State game, that first interception was, might have been a miscommunication when Giles was in, but honestly, we got to stop this nonsense. We got to stop giving the ball to the other team and taking points off the board, because honestly, we should have had 60 last week. We should have had a hell of a lot more against ASU. We probably should have scored 50 against Oregon if we don't do some stupid stuff. And yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying that because I'm I'm arrogant. I'm just saying, like, that's the way they go. We're 11-point lead. We've got the ball. We had a ball at the six-inch six line, and we didn't score. Like, all of these dumb mistakes. And I, I think we hold these guys to an unfair standard because it's such a good offense. But if we play a clean game, USC is not holding us under 50. Yeah, and I think I think if you asked Michael Penix, what would you rather have, a Heisman or or to win out the rest of the game with rushing the ball? 
I, I have no doubt in my mind that my, Michael would pick. I want to win. The most important thing to the season, the reason that he came back is to win a conference championship, make the college football playoff, and win a national championship. So with that being said, the 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 most important thing that this team can do is absolutely rely on their Heisman winner because Michael Penix is going to be the one that takes them to the promised land. But don't forget to run the ball too because Dylan Johnson has been effective, um, especially those stretch plays, man. Dylan, he has a knack for gaining that corner, doesn't he, Coach? Yeah, um, he's he's been incredibly patient. And when he's giving, especially around the left side, um, and I shouldn't say that because Roger's really good on the edge too, but Troy and Roger are really good at stringing that out and giving him the opportunity to turn the corner. Um, but also, it's USC. Run inside zone, run outside, stretch play, run it, run it, run some jet. Um, it's not complicated. Just, I mean, run, run 60 power with Westover leading the way. I don't care. Like, there's ways to exploit this defense. And then once you spread them out and they have to defend run and pass on third and short, take a shot. Goodness, take your shot. Yeah. I, I wouldn't even punt unless we we're like third and 17 this week. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's crazy to me to think that we're talking about SC in a, in a light that they don't have the best defense around because for years, I mean, it was, it was loaded with linebacker talent, you know, with Lofa and Brian Cushing and, and all, I mean, their defense had the best athletes and the best coaching for years and years and years. And, and even under um, Clay Helton era, they still had a good defense. Uh, he had a knack for losing the games for them, but to see these, to see a team just completely neglect defense the way that, that they have this year more so than ever um, with the athletes that they have, I think it's cost them two games this year already and it, it, it could cost them a third and maybe a fourth yeah i mean at some points this year i thought usc was going to either beat washington or beat oregon and at this moment with their defense and just kind of this this kind of the soft attitude around the program i i don't know about it but let's get into it hang on one second sorry one last point real quick if if USC loses this game, they they will probably not win another game the rest of the year. If you look at their schedule, they have Washington this week, Oregon next week, and then UCLA is their final game. That's right. Uh, they have a bye. Is there by the last no, week of the season? Or no, they game? go they go three weeks in a row. Okay, so they get so their that their bye is week thirteen. So the thing is. Wild. If they win this week, and then they have Oregon next week, which is an uphill battle, obviously. I don't know. Where's the game? Then Eugene. Okay. Yeah. At that point, I still think they're a better team than UCLA, but at what point does Caleb check out? Yeah. As soon as you lose as soon as you lose to Washington, I think Caleb checks out. Maybe it's time to go get like, not risk injury. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think so. Because if you lose to Washington, you've then you've then lost your chance at a conference championship. You lost uh, um, you, you you then have lost, lost your Heisman. Chance. 
you've lost your chance at another Heisman and you've lost your chance on a, on a CFP. So what is keeping Caleb Williams at SC? It's nothing. And then you're going to see the Chicago two- bears. <laughs> you snuck that one in there and it was so good. I'm so happy. you did that. <laughs> But I mean, I just, I, 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 if they lose to us this weekend, I don't foresee them winning another game. Which is why I think this is their Super Bowl. I mean, this is what they're up for right now because this is a chance to salvage their season. So big lights, bright lights, number five team comes into town. They're gonna they're gonna play their butts off and they're gonna try to show that you know there's still somebody in this equation. So I think it's I'm gonna say right now. I know this we're calling this the start of the gauntlet. This is the one game I'm worried about this this next four games. I, I would agree with that. I'm not afraid of Utah. Nope. Because they have no offense. Nope. I'm not, not afraid. I mean, although Utah did score 30 something points on USC. That's how bad their defense is. That's an indictment uh, of, D- of USC. <laughs> I'm not, I don't think Oregon State's as good as people were making them. I think they're not as good defensively as they were last year. And I'm sorry, but DJ Ungolale, whatever, dude. He's he's got a bunch of pedestrian receivers and Victor Bolden. That run game is scary, but let's stop the run and see if he can beat us. Um, I'm definitely, you know, bullish on the Apple Cup. Honestly, this is the game. This is the only game I'm really, like, kind of biting my nails about. And it's just such a big spotlight game. And we just had one a couple weeks ago. And I hope that we are finally recuperated and ready and 100% mentally and physically ready to go. Because it's going to be a battle. I think we're a better team, but the road team in this series, you know, it's tough to win in LA period. What are you guys, where, where are you guys thinking? What's your predictions? 103 to nine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think um, I'm with coach, man. I, I have gone back and forth. I picked a loss against Oregon. It worked out. I picked, Washington to cover and it's not been great. So I don't know, man. I, I I think I'm having a hard time picking Washington here. I this is a Washington Huskies football podcast, but I feel like if I go with Washington, all three of us will. So I am going to do it anyways, man. Whatever. Um 39 37 Washington. Coach. So the over-under is 76 and a half. Yep. We're favored by three, <sighs> which pisses me off a little bit. I like to see a little disrespect thrown our way. Are you ready for this? Because I think we're going to hit the over. I think the Huskies are going to score 47. Oof. USC is going to score 45. <laughs> two two-point wins, Trev. Keep Keep the magic rolling. <laughs> Well, uh, UW Leah didn't give me a score, but she did say that Washington was going to uh, – she has Washington losing by four points. So there's your wet blanket because you know I'm not given a wet blanket. Um, <laughs> I think Washington I, – I went back and forth on my score many times. I had Washington in the 50s. Uh, I think they could definitely get there, but I think with the style that they're going to run – not that they're going to be slowing down, but the reality is when the ball is 
in the field of play, the clock is ticking. I think Washington scores 42 points. I think USC scores 37. I think that we get there in overtime. You think so? You think so? Oh, I don't know if I could handle that. One overtime? Let's make it to four overtime and get a couple two-point conversions. It might be two, but I think uh, our two-point play is better than theirs anyway, so. Yeah, I've I I was really nervous going into the Oregon game. There was a lot of excited, nervous energy. Uh, I think, you know, I still think this team is really good, but they have not played to their potential the last two weeks, which makes this a different kind of nervous excitement. Um, I just really want to, like you, what you were saying, Coach. I really want to see them play a clean game. Um, around the Pac-12, Arizona State's headed to Utah. The over-under is 41 and a half on this one, and Utah's favored by 11. Uh, I'm taking the points in Arizona State, and I'm taking the under. What about you guys? Oof. I don't, uh, trust, I don't uh, trust Utah one bit right now. Arizona State's kind of riding high. I will say this. I don't think Arizona State's going to win. I don't either. I think Utah's going to win, but I think it's going to be super low scoring, and I think Utah wins by a touchdown. I think, I think it's like Utah, 13-7. I think Utah yeah. drops this. I don't. I don't think Utah's all that good, honestly. I I struggle with them. Um, I think. I think Utah ends up losing by four. If the game was in the desert, I might change. But you know, I have a coworker who's a huge Utes fan, and she said the only thing she wanted for her birthday was her husband to take her to a Utah game. So they went to the Oregon game last week, and nice. she said it's the quietest it's ever been there yeah. that she's ever witnessed. And I can't imagine that they're going to just lay down and accept that as like their swan song. So I think they'll get loud. I think their offense sucks. I think their defense is still good. I think Arizona State's not that good, but they're playing tough football right now under Dillingham. But yeah, it's, this is something like a 24-17 or a 20-13 to game. Like it's really going to be a snooze fest. I might not even watch it at all. Well, most of the country won. It's on the Pac-12 network. It's at 11 a.m. Is that the only game this year that's been on the Pac-12 network? No, there's been Washington's been on the Pac-12 network. Everybody's on the Pac-12 network twice. Hey, Uh, it is pretty funny. On the broadcast, what's that? Our man Lincoln Kennedy is always on the broadcast. Uh, I love that guy. Uh, It is telling that you know if you're on, I'm on ESPN's page looking at at the score uh previews they have the pass leader rush leader and receiving leader and for the arizona state utah game there is all arizona state uh it's trenton bogey has better numbers than anybody on utah's scatabo has better numbers than anybody in the rushing game and badger has is there so you have a six and two team with absolutely no offense going up against a two and six team with a little bit absolutely no offense. offense. Yeah, <laughs> wild, right? Next up on the Pac-12 network again. Big big shout out to Jake there. Uh Cal headed to Eugene. Um 24 and a half point favorites over under at 59. Uh I'm not going to touch the over under on this game because if Cal can tackle Bucky Irving, it's they're going to they're not going to get there, but there's no way that Cal is going to be able to hang with Oregon. I do like Mendoza, but until Oregon shows any signs of slowing down, that's a big number. I don't think they're going to cover that big number, um, but I think they're going to beat them by three touchdowns. That'll probably be like a 21-point win. What do you guys think? 
Yeah, I think I think Oregon um, is pleading their case right now, and they're going to have to continue to plead their case for the rest of the year for the top four, you know, conference football playoff championship run. They're rooted in substance. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. They're not on it for clicks. So, yeah. um, I think I think Oregon pours it on, and I think Oregon beats them by at least twenty one. Um, I think that uh, Oregon is a really focused team, and I think that they're healthier than everybody else, which is, is a really huge advantage. Um, Bucky's obviously one of the best dudes in the in, in the whole league, maybe in the whole country. But there's this kid named Jade Nott. Yeah. For some reason, I just, I just love this kid, and I feel like he's going to make a difference in this game. I don't think it's going to be – I don't think Oregon's going to cover – and I think it might be going into the third quarter. It might it might be a little bit closer than people would have expected. It's in it's in Eugene, so the Ducks are going to win. But I have them winning by like two touchdowns, maybe ten points. I think it's going to be close until the end. Now they they could they could surge past them. But Cal's just one of those weird slippery teams. If you let off the gas, they'll find a way to get some points on the board, which hasn't always been their mo. They've always been a defensive team that struggled to score, but. There's something weird with these guys. Um, they're squirrely is the best I can I can say. You know, we got up what 52 to 13 and then put all the backups in. And they're like, oh, you think so, huh? And, and they, they I think they gained a lot of confidence that week and they started scoring more points. But yeah, you know, I and they, that's been brought up against Washington that they gave up 500 yards to Cal. And it drives me nuts when people say yeah. that. <laughs> it's insane. I think that was Cal's confidence game, though. I think that that was like, hey, we can do this, even if you did it against some walk-ons. Like good for Cal. But they did turn it up a notch after that. So I'm I'm saying like at the most 14 points to 10 point win. I think the Oregon shuts it down in the second half. And I, I I'd like to see Jade not get hundred and two hundred yards rushing and kind of beat those guys up a little bit. I do think that they found their quarterback, and I think that helps. Yeah. Um obvious <laughs> that was one of the more obvious things I've ever said. Um <laughs> they do have a quarterback. <laughs> It was like 2016. You remember who it wasn't it like who did Stanford have playing against Washington? Was it Keller Christ or uh, was it Mills? Munoz? No, it wasn't. It wasn't him yet. What year? 2016 when Washington beat him up. It was I think his last name was Munoz or I don't think it was Keller Christ or anybody like that yet. Um. Anyway, speaking of Stanford, they're headed to Washington State. Washington State's on a four-game losing streak, making me look like a moron after almost putting them number one in my power rankings. Uh, that was real dumb. I think if Washington State is going to have a prayer of being bowl eligible, obviously they have to win this game. It's a 13-point spread. I'm, I'm still taking the Cougs. 13? Yeah. So the one thing that uh, Stanford – First of all, their defense isn't good. Right. One thing they didn't have to face last week was Penix wasn't going to run. But the Kooks have a quarterback who can run a little bit. Right. He will sling it around. He may throw it to the other team once in a while, but I feel like they're going to give up a lot of points again on the Palouse. I think this is Wazoo's get-right game. But I also think they're going to give up a bunch of points to Stanford's quarterback and in the run game and and whatnot and if they let number 13 push off all night then you know (laughs) oh that touchdown he scored was like brutal right this way um but i'm saying cougs are gonna win by three jake um 
That's a tough game to call for me. I it seems like after Washington plays teams, they seem to figure it out a little bit. Cal seemed to figure it out a little bit. Arizona State seemed to figure it out a little bit. Um, Arizona. Yeah, I yeah Arizona's been playing great. Oregon. Yeah, so I think uh, I think Stanford might beat them. Honestly, I, I think the way the trajectory of these two programs are going in complete opposite directions. Uh, I'm looking forward. To, hold on, I'm looking forward to um, Jim. What time is their game? That's the question. It is at six, 6 p.m. I'm looking forward to Jim Moore actively rooting at the end of the Washington USC game for us to lose while the coups have just given up a pick six and they're down. (laughs) Stanford's going to win. Stanford's going to win. That guy's shtick is very, very consistent. Like I love the Cougs, but I love hitting the Huskies more. Yeah. He mentioned it today. Oh God. Yeah. He's national treasure. Uh, 16 Oregon state heads to Colorado. Oregon state is a 13 and a half point favorite. They don't play well on the road, but Colorado's defense is horrible. Uh, I think Oregon State covers this spread. So it's 13 and a half. They'll they'll win by more than two touchdowns. Oregon State's gonna smack them all over the football field. They're gonna Oregon State's gonna pull up and be the bullies on the field. I guarantee it. Uh nobody's gonna be flashing any watches. Oregon State's gonna smack them in the mouth. They all got stolen anyway, so. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Oregon State's going to end up winning by 21. I like it. Um, if Jonathan Smith can remember that he's got a running game and he doesn't try to get too cute with with them, I mean, name your, like, just go into the whiteboard and name your rushing total. Because if they want to rush for 300 yards this week, they can do that. They could and go they- full Civil War fourth quarter. 17 plays in a row, yeah. If they don't try to get too cute and give them an opportunity to, like, batted balls, pick interceptions, stuff like that, if they take care of the ball, um, Colorado will get some points because I don't think Oregon State's defense is stupendous. But this is one of those deals where you can control the clock and keep the ball away from Colorado as long as you want. So I'm I'm predicting a three-touchdown advantage. I am going to go with the under, though, because I I agree with you. I think that there's going to be a lot of time ticking off the clock. I mean, that Arizona-Oregon State game did not have a lot of possessions because both teams were so efficient going up and down the field, Uh, which leads us to, I think, one of the more interesting games at 7.30. UCLA heads to Arizona. Uh, It's probably the best defense in the conference against one of the hottest teams in the conference in Arizona. Uh, it's a three-point spread. Man, I really want to take Arizona because Noah Fafita just doesn't make a ton of mistakes. But UCLA's defense is so good. And and it's in the it's in Arizona, and I just feel like everybody sucks in Arizona because Washington <laughs> sucks in Arizona. So Screw it. I'm picking against my baby blues here. Let's go bear down Wildcats. You don't mean that. You stop. Stop. No. <laughs> I uh, I disagree. I am going to say UCLA is going to win this game. I think <laughs> Jake's Bruins. All right. It's over <laughs> for me. 
think of it yeah okay i think if anybody's used to the heat it's gonna be southern california and i think they're gonna take the 45 mile trip to arizona and they're gonna smack them around the football field and i think they're gonna end up winning by ah, touchdown yeah i keep hearing about this ucla defense i've seen them a little bit and they're good and the thing is their front four is ferocious does it hurt your soul Yes. Anytime anybody mentions Lady Watson. I'm Watch still it. pissed off at the University of Washington, but I'll tell you what. I'm so pissed off that they didn't let him play. They said, oh, we're not gonna, we're not gonna clear you. And then he goes and becomes an all-American for a conference rival. Yeah. yeah. That makes me mad, especially since when he first burst onto the scene as a true freshman, he was so promising. Yeah. Now the other side of that story is he would have been in the NFL by now. That's He'd true. So we wouldn't be talking about him anyway, unless he was playing for one of our teams. Um but if Arizona, and I don't think their offensive line is great. I think Morgan is an NFL guy, but excuse me, even he is soft in the run game. Um, that's my only concern because I know that Arizona has weapons and they have a quarterback who can escape pressure. They're at home. It's a night game and you at U of A, if they can somehow keep those three guys on defense who are getting all the pressures, including Latu, if they can keep those guys just held at bay just a little bit, I think they can win a low-scoring game. Having said that, I don't know if I trust that offensive line. So I'm going to take UCLA in a win, but they won't cover the three-point spread. Is there any part of you, I know that it would it would be cutting it close, but is there any part of you that I don't know how close you are to Tucson. Would be interested in going to that game? Uh, if the game, yeah. You know what? No, because this is the end of high school season in the next few weeks. I'm exhausted. I only travel for my team. It's Time about to take a out. each way, and it's a night game. Absolutely no. no chance. But if I was already in town, it really is a cool little college town feel to it. And despite the fact that they don't sell out the stadium all the time, like the fans are really like, they've been there forever and they're really passionate. They're really cool to hang out with and talk to. I like going down there, but um, I'm not making a four hour round trip plus the game just to watch two teams. And I don't have any rooting interest in. Fair enough. Yeah. So shut up, Trev. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. <laughs> it's all right. Really well, cool town, <laughs> well, we'll be back to recap as always, Trevor Mueller, Jake Grant, Coach V, go dogs. Go dogs.